0: Everybody and welcome uh, to a brand new episode of the Geek
1: Buddies! Huh? Hey! Well, you We're know about it's now when this... we record later because our
0: voices are warmed up. <laughs> me, 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 me. Uh, We are back uh, here to, uh, to talk about everything that's going on in the world of geekdom uh here on the geek buddies we're excited to be diving into some conversations about some trailers some gargoyles live action news here talking about disney's once upon a studio shorts a new song from wish uh and we're to talk about that eight man and wasp Quantumania news that dropped this week uh based on the book that has come out here recently talking about marvel so a lot to get into here
2: but let's uh introduce ourselves i like am the outlaw john roger writer producer and host here on the geek buddies i am michael vogel i'm a writer and producer of animated tv shows and movies
1: and this is Shannon McClung. I'm a television actor and an animation writer where you can see some of our current work every weekend on YouTube with the third season of Strawberry Shortcake, Berry in the Big City.
0: And don't forget about what? The Mystery of the Bog? What is it What is it again? The, the Beast of Berry Bog, beast of which mystery. is a mystery.
2: <laughs> the Mystery of the Bog. The Mystery of the Bog. Yes, Strawberry Shortcake and the Beast of Berry Bog. And uh, pretty soon, uh, Strawberry Shortcake's perfect holiday coming, uh, I, I believe, next month to a nice. to a Netflix
0: near you all right i love it yeah christmas music's already out so give it all to me give me all the christmas i love it um anyway all right the way the show works uh, for those of you who may be new each of us brings up geek news item we talk about it amongst ourselves we take a break in between them and then we get to our main topic which is going to be the ant-man and the wasp Quantumania uh news bit that dropped uh, here over the last couple of days that we're gonna have fun talking about and all the marvel stuff surrounding it as well but uh shannon mcclung i think you kick it off here brother
1: I'm kicking it off with trailers, trailers, trailers. We get our second look at uh, at a couple of movies that we've already previewed, but we get our first look of a new Netflix documentary about Sylvester Stallone hey. called Sly. So over the summer, Netflix released uh, a documentary on Arnold Schwarzenegger and it's only fitting that his uh, main competitor from the 80s, R- John Rambo, Rocky Balboa, Sylvester Stallone himself has his own documentary. And you know what? I- Personally, as a child of the 80s, I love that we're getting these documentaries about these 80s action heroes and to see where they've gone in their careers. And I think it's just such a such a fascinating look. But, gentlemen, I'll throw it over to you first. Definitely going to John first for this one. (laughs) What did you think of our first look at the documentary, Sly?
0: Well, I have to say I ate the Arnold documentary up like like a dinner, like a tour through that thing. And it's such a great series. And Arnold is a different energy than Sly. Like, Sly is a scrapper and a fighter, and nobody believed in him, and he had to claw and scratch and get there, right? Arnold did fight, but a little more gifted, a little more relaxed, a little more like he expected everything to happen to him. So two completely different approaches to the world. And I can tell from this documentary, it is a completely different attitude than the Arnold documentary. And I kind of liked it as as a yin and yang of these two guys, who are now great friends. And we see them talk about their past where they were not so great friends and how they've kind of put down the swords, put down the shields, and now they've lived lived through the wars and they're with each other. And I like that this one is exploring how Stallone, is his approach to this, which is like you can sit there and say, oh, if I had the chance, I would have done this, would have done that. I have more respect for the people who actually dive in and try. And even if they fail, they at least got in there and tried. So I think there's something really interesting and fun that's going to come out of this, but also him talking about his family, like how he sacrificed these things that he now holds dear in order to create these characters and create these films. And then to have the public turn on him and impossibly lose all of that, you know, he kind of had to come back and realize the power of his family. And of course, being Italian, I'm sure there's a big deal for him as well. So there was a lot here that I enjoyed. Plus seeing Talia Shire here in Frank Stallone. Arnold's going to be in this. So already it just makes me very, very excited. But I like the attitude. I like the feeling of this one. For me personally so great great uh, trailer for this uh, series
1: mikey what'd you think
2: i mean look i uh i don't feel about it as strongly as john does but I think <laughs> we, all, we all we all knew that was coming but i i think it looked great i do think if you grew up in the 80s i think arnold and sylvester stallone had like they just have they both had this larger than life like they weren't human beings and they were beyond even like movie what? stars like there's just nothing that compares today like ryan reynolds is beloved and we all love him as deadpool like hugh jackman's a great wolverine like like there's there's not anyone that has that like you are a stratospheric level movie star mm. the way that arnold and sylvester stallone were. so i do think it makes sense that we got the arnold documentary we're gonna get this one um i'm excited about it i do think that like to to john's point i didn't think about it in quite this way but like I happened, I, I liked Arnold Schwarzenegger more than Sylvester Stallone growing up. And based on John's description of the two gentlemen, <laughs> I am more of an Arnold Schwarzenegger and yes. John is more of a Sylvester Stallone. So hundred percent. I think I'll enjoy it, but uh, yeah. I, I think uh, Arnie will always be my guy, but, uh, but I respect Sly and the work that he's done.
0: And just like you, they would give you a three-part documentary series and they'd only give me 95 minutes which is what this documentary is only an hour and 35 minutes shannon
2: listen man i got there's a lot there's a lot of chapters to my life i don't know what to tell you There's a lot of there's a Still lot of things written. that we have to go through
1: man the funny thing about these two guys is when they did finally you know in in their rivalry you know which yeah. sort of you know started with you know planet hollywood along them and uh, and bruce willis by the time they finally got around to making a movie together I mean, you know, Arnie did the expendables, um, but it was really the escape plan, which on paper, the idea that Sylvester Stallone is a security specialist who's wrongfully imprisoned inside this supermax where Arnold Schwarzenegger is the is the longest serving inmate. uh, You see them work together like reading the idea for that movie. I was like, (laughs) my God, this is going to be the movie that that I've been waiting for my wife, and then to see what we got, which was fine. it was, fine. Um, yeah. it was just it just under delivered a little bit for my personal my personal expectations. Vogel, yeah. you were gonna say something. What was it?
2: I was gonna say that if I'm the Arnie and John is the Stallone, that does make you the Willis. Are you the first Willis the situation?
0: <laughs> I, I've seen Shannon with the smirks. Yeah, I think it's possible.
1: I mean, one could argue he had the most acting talent of the three. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to argue that point for, for those of you, uh, uh, listening to the podcast, uh, John threw his arms up and Vogel's looking
2: back and forth for a weapon that he can, that he can pierce his computer. I wasn't, you know what? I was actually, I was actually looking for something on my desk that could, I could use as a prop as a cigar cigar (laughs) to (laughs) to be like, maybe you're the better actor, but I am the more famous as a rich one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Sly is going to start. Oh, sorry. What was it, Johnny? One last thing. I, I, I think there's an alternate universe where it's Stallone and Schwarzenegger and Tango and Cash. I know people love Kurt Russell in that film, but there is an alternate universe where there's a great, great classic 80s action film with those two guys. If they had been able to put down their egos back then, it would have been awesome because I think they starred together way too late in their Agreed. careers and it's you know, a shame because it would
2: have been great to see them in their prime together do you know what i would love to do because you're right i mean at this point you're like it, it, you, you couldn't ever do the movie you, you can't do tango and cash with them now you yeah, going to no, do you know grumpy old men but <laughs> what but you could do like this would be the best pitch for like we're gonna do the most action-packed animated film ever because yeah. those two could still voice the characters you could still oh, do perfect. like the Arnold and Sylvester in an animated movie oh, hell yeah. where like they played the two biggest action stars and like just let them do, let them do in an animated world what you can't actually have them do on screen anymore in live yeah. action it could be I would I would be in for that
0: I would love that there's also a possible comedy where like his daughter marries his son and they as dads like <laughs> compete the whole time that's gotta be somebody's gotta like that. <laughs> anyway, that'd be awesome.
1: I mean, I was really sold on them playing the world's two, bi- two biggest action stars who actually get uh, 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 accidentally fall into a legit uh, action movie. But I don't know them playing competing fathers at a wedding. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> <might be. laughs> be We cool. we might need to uh, we might need to uh, chat about this after we finish recording. <laughs> <laughs> <I like
3: it.
1: laughs> but Slides starts streaming <laughs> on Netflix on November 3rd. That brings us to our second look at the Ridley Scott epic Napoleon, mm. starring Joaquin Phoenix and Vanessa Kirby. You know, Ridley Scott, you know, no one will argue that that guy is an incredible filmmaker, but there's also two Ridley Scotts yep sometimes you get the guy who directed gladiator and black hawk down and alien and sometimes you get the guy who directed exodus gods and kings and uh, prometheus uh, randy. <laughs>
2: uh, it's randy scott randy scott <laughs> <laughs> oh diddly oh diddly scott
1: <laughs> based off of what we're seeing it looks like we're probably gonna get the gladiator ridley scott hmm. from the look of this i mean this just looks like an epic epic film there are rooms. That there's a four-hour cut, which most people most people don't want to go to a movie theater and watch a four-hour movie. Um, one of the one of those who, who's not that's that would be John Roca. He would absolutely <laughs> sit down for an eight-hour cut of oh, Ridley true. Scott's Napoleon. Uh, but uh, Mikey, what did you think of our second look at Napoleon?
2: I mean, I agree with you that it looks like we're getting mm. the good Ridley Scott. <laughs> Like, it looks like it. Like, it looks great. Uh, I think Napoleon is a fascinating character. I This trailer, like, I like, I really like the first trailer. But this trailer even more so, there's something about certain characters in history that were just like, hey, I'm fucking awesome. That's the end of my story.
3: <laughs> and, like,
2: Napoleon had that thing. And, like, Joaquin Phoenix is really doing it. It, it, it looks lush. It looks gorgeous. It, it definitely gives me Gladiator vibes. Uh, I mean, obviously, you've got Joaquin Phoenix up there. You've got Ridley Scott directing it. But it definitely has those Gladiator vibes. And if I can go see one more Gladiator-level movie from Ridley Scott in my life, I'll be happy. Johnny, what would you think?
0: Yeah, I thought this trailer was a really good second trailer. Because the first trailer was much more focused on his relationship with Josephine. And also his military stuff and his ascension or whatever. This was much more his story, right? Like showing him... and. The poorer conditions, looking at the elite, looking at the military elite, the rich, those things like in his mind, aspiring like, when I get my shot, like we heard with Sloan right in, in the document, when I get my shot, I'm going to get in that cage and I'm going to handle business. And sure enough, he's a guy who did. And Michael's right. Absolutely. The attitude that's coming through Joaquin as he plays this guy is this is a guy who knew he was destined for what he ended up becoming. He knew he was destined for it, which is, of course, what leads to his downfall. His hubris, his arrogance, his conceitedness about himself is what ends up killing him or not killing him, but ends up destroying him in Russia and him losing power and being excommunicated from Italy. So or France, rather. So you see that in this uh, in this uh, portrayal. And there's a couple of scenes that are already out on YouTube where you can see what Joaquin is doing. There's a coronation scene. It's about two minutes long. That's out on YouTube that you can see from Napoleon. You can tell he is playing him with a way harder edge than maybe we've ever seen. And so I'm interested, but I agree with you. The scope of this thing, it looks like Ridley's on his best behavior on this one. And it looks awesome uh, from top to bottom. I just got to say though, I wish they'd stop using war pigs. War pigs is not a pro war song. It is not a pro. It's literally a song about the administrations and politicians using war to destroy young men and to push their own ideas on the world. So I don't know why they use these songs in, in these in these um,
2: in these movies, man. Do you? Who's the more accurate Napoleon, Joaquin Phoenix, or the oh. guy who played him in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. <sighs> no, you and both... do you think Joaquin Phoenix in this movie will ever say Ziggy Piggy, z- Ziggy Piggy, Ziggy Piggy? <laughs>
1: I want to throw a third contender in the ring and that is
2: the Napoleon
0: from the Bugs Bunny good Looney Tunes cartoons well i am napoleon
1: that's the best
2: best napoleon that's That's the best napoleon right yeah
0: (laughs)
1: well we'll find out which napoleon we're going to be getting (laughs) on thanksgiving when napoleon hits theaters and our last trailer is our the first official trailer we got a teaser not too long back but our first official trailer for ferrari starring adam driver penelope cruz and shailene woodley this is you know uh, uh, Enzo Ferrari, his, uh, company is on the verge of bankruptcy. And as one of his subordinates says, you spend more than you make, um, coming from Michael Mann. This is another guy that you, you know, we get two Michael Manns. I mean, on your good days, you get collateral, you get heat on your bad days. Uh, you get, uh, Miami vice and public enemies. Uh, so Johnny, what did you think of our first official trailer at Ferrari and don't start defending public enemies? Sir,
0: <laughs> sir. I liked public and I liked Miami vice. I would say Black Hat is the issue that with, with Michael Mann. But yes, I hear uh, what you're saying. I liked this trailer. This was nice. The teaser trailer we got a few weeks ago, it was good to see like what the general vibe of this was. Now with this one, we get much more specific. And again, I mean, these these directors know you got to tell a story where a person is an underdog, right? Napoleon, an underdog. and And here in this situation, Ferrari is about to lose all his money. Yeah, I'm cheating on my wife, but I'm Italian. I can do my things, but I'm about to lose everything. I got a mortgage at all, and I got to take a chance on this race in order to save my name. And, of course, spoiler alert, the reason we're still talking about it there's a movie about him is because he did win and did eventually save his company. So I like that we got more of that in this. I still don't understand why we're not getting more with the racers. Uh, you know, you've got, what, Patrick Dempsey, and I and I can't remember the other gentleman who was in the Angelina Jolie film, o'connell jack o'connell so why aren't we getting more interactions with them so i'm just confused about that but this was much more focused on ferrari and the underdog situation that he's in uh and it looks so well directed it looks really really well directed so i hope i hope it's a good movie we'll see
2: mikey what do you think yeah look biographies are for exactly what john said biographies are always tough like Mm. It's always hard to take a real life person and tell a compelling narrative story because a lot of times the people in our history that did some of the greatest, most impressive things are shitty people in real life or in their personal (laughs) lives. So it's It's like, so you always, so I mean, that's, that's kind of what, I mean, I do think this looks good and I am really intrigued and I do think, again, based on the trailer, we're getting the good Michael Man, but (laughs) we'll see. But I do think it's one of the hardest things when you take like, their. Greatness and uh, hubris and flying too close to the sun, like it all, it all kind of mixes together. So when you take these stories and you're like, all right, we got to tell the story about this person. They did this amazing thing they were sleeping with two women and you see how they're trying to like meld these two stories together And what, like like what is it he says in the trailer it's like two things can't and he's talking about the cars right. and he's like how two things can't occupy the same space at the same time but then he says it again at the end of the trailer as you're cutting between Penelope Cruz and Shailene Woodley and you're like okay like yeah we're, we're trying to make this connection in the way that he looked at the cars and the way that he's sort of breaking down what he's doing in his life and oh. how these two things either married with like worked with each other are conflicted with each other and when you do that well and you tell this really compelling and complicated story and all the pieces sort of fit together it's great but other times you kind of come out and you're like okay they did a great thing but what a piece of shit and so like it's like it it's a it's a balancing act the trailer makes it look really compelling and interesting but we won't see until we see
0: yeah
1: flying too close to the sun on wings of pastrami. Well, this holiday season, you might not get a Ferrari, but you'll get to go see a Ferrari because it comes out December 25th.
0: Oh, my God. Oh, you got a Ferrari. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting films now as we're turning the corner here. I know the strike is still on, obviously, and we respect that, and uh, it seems like that's not going to be solved uh, this month. Uh, The rumors are possibly November, but we're getting these Oscar films coming in. I mean, if Napoleon is good... If Ferrari is good, if Maestro is good, Oppenheimer has got have is going to have some competition here going into Oscar season in a couple in a few months to see if it's actually going to win the best picture. So it's, it's going to be fun to see. Um, I hope these movies are good. Um, all right, let's take a quick break and then we'll jump into some gargoyle stuff right after this. Hello, Geek Buddies fans. Before we jump into today's episode, let's give a warm thank you to our sponsor, Marquee TV. Their support is why we're able to bring this podcast to you. Marquee TV isn't just any streaming service. They're your gateway to an incredible world of arts and culture.
1: That's right, Johnny. I've explored Marquee TV, and I've been amazed by their vast library of performances, exclusive interviews, and behind-the-scenes content. It is a treasure trove for any arts and culture lover. Right now, I'm in the middle of watching the Royal Shakespeare Company's production of the Tempest, and I've also got my eye on that Shakespeare masterclass taught by Dame Judi Dench.
0: Yeah, Shannon, and speaking of the RSC, I watched Christopher Eccleston's performance of Macbeth last night, and I'm going to jump into Kit Harrington's performance of Henry V from the Donmar Warehouse.
1: Imagine having the world's most breathtaking ballets, dramatic theater productions, and magical operas at your fingertips. That's the experience Marquee TV offers, making the arts accessible wherever you
0: are. And we've got a special treat for our listeners. Marquee TV offers three months of access for just $0.99. That's right. Three months for only $0.99 with the code BUDDIES. B-U-D-D-I-E-S. Simply visit Marquee.tv and use the promo code BUDDIES to dive into the world of arts like never before. Bring the arts home with Marquee TV. Get three months for just 99 cents. Visit Marquee.tv to start your journey into the world of arts now. Use code
1: BUDDIES. Explore the extensive library of performances on Marquee TV today and keep up with the latest in art streaming by following at Marquee TV on social media.
2: You looked that up before the show, didn't you? Yeah, I did. <laughs>
1: <laughs> not only did I look it up before the show, I listened to it literally at the end of that section.
2: <laughs> I, I literally was like, we went on the break, and I was like, Shannon's not going to. Do- oh, no, he did it. Okay, he literally looked that up. <laughs> he, he, didn't, he didn't pull that out from nowhere. <laughs> uh, well, let's move on to the story here. Uh,
0: Gargoyle. So uh, I'm just going to hit the high points of this article uh, coming out of The Hollywood Reporter here, Boris Kitt. Who, of course, broke a couple of stories recently, a pretty big stories. The one about Marvel TV he broke that story as well that we talked about last week. But uh, this is uh, Gargoyles is going live action almost 30 years after first appearing as an animated television series and becoming a big hit for animated people and people who are into uh, animated series. Uh, Ga- Gary Doberman and James Wan's Atomic Monster um, are teaming up to remake the 1990s cartoon as a live action series. For Disney Plus, Doberman will write, executive produce, and show run the series with Atomic Monster, which is a company run by James Wan and Michael Clear. Um, and it is an early development right now. Uh, but yeah, the series only ran for three years, but you know, people love this show. When you say Gargoyles at any con, people fall to their knees because they had so much fun with the show. And of course, friend of the show, dare I say, Greg Weissman uh, wrote the and 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 made Gargoyles or uh, Gargoyles and created it. So fantastic stuff. But he's not involved in this. So questions abound on this situation here. Going live action from animation without the creator. We know that's happening with Airbender as well. So, gentlemen, your thoughts? Michael, I go to you first. As a personal friend of Greg Weissman, what are your thoughts here on this situation with Gargoyles live action?
2: I mean, look, as a personal friend of Greg Weissman, I think he should be involved in all things Gargoyles, no yeah. matter what. But I, it, it, to your point, I mean, this is... It's the world that we've always lived in where the people that do something great in animation often aren't the ones that get to carry that forward when it goes to live action. For some reason, studios think, oh, well, now that it's live action, we should give it to some really talented people. And you're like, sure, not the people that literally made it popular in the first place. Cool. Uh, But I also um, just in general love Gargoyles. Like, and I think we've told this story before, I think we did it when we like interviewed Greg and the whole spectacular Spider-Man mm-hmm. team. But when we were, when I was a very young executive at Sony and we were interviewing a lot of people to come in and potentially showrun, um, spectacular Spider-Man, Greg came in and was really cool and like had some good ideas and thought, but as he was casually talking, somehow he said, oh yeah, well, like when I made gargoyles and I was like, wait. You make gargoyles (laughs) and he's like yeah and i was like oh he literally got that job like i'm like i was like well i'm gonna hire i'm hiring the gargoyles gotta make (laughs) spider-man i'm I'm no dummy um so yeah gargoyles like growing up was one of my favorite shows It, it was a show that was way better than it had any right to be it was so interesting um greg not being involved is disappointing but beyond that i think this is a bad idea yeah okay like i don't think this is smart Because I think doing a live action gargoyles feature is a tall order, given the fact that most of your main characters are going to be giant CG gargoyles or motion cap gargoyles or however you're going to do it. But on a Disney Plus budget for a series, I mean, I'm just waiting for them to announce the inevitable, oh, well, we're only doing Goliath. It's not about all the gargoyles. Like, this adaptation is, like, it's all about Goliath because they're only going to do one CG gargoyle. or So, like, you know, there's no way that they're going to do this amazing, rich tapestry of characters that opens up in Scotland and then is in modern... Like, it's just... It's such a big story. And if they were like, hey, we're going to do a deluxe big, really expensive animated follow-up to Gargoyles. We're going to do a giant Gargoyles feature-length story on Disney Plus that's animated. Like, doing it animated makes sense, and then you bring Greg Weissman in, but jumping to live action and doing it this way, like, it's just... Even... You think about even Andor, you think about all the Star Wars shows, even they sort of are like, okay, well, we only have X number of CG characters that are going to be main characters. Like, we're not... They don't have, like... Twelve CG characters running around each week in Ahsoka or Andor. Do you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. so. I just think this is a fraught with peril and uh, lots of making lots of concessions kind of idea. Okay, Shannon, your thoughts? Ah, uh,
1: yeah, I, I I agree with Vogel. I mean, I didn't watch it as religiously as others, but I did. But I did watch it. And it's it it, as Vogel said, it's it's a pretty big story. I mean, and it's a really cool story. I mean, Keith David's uh, Goliath and that is like he is just uh, such an incredible character. And if they were to go the route, the big screen route where they're throwing all the money at it, you would only have to assume that Keith David would be voicing Goliath. Hmm. um but yeah i mean even if something is marvel and or star wars there are still budgetary limitations and you know we saw that in she hulk in that there that was what nine half hour episodes and some she looked okay some not so much um you know you take she hulk and you multiply her by eight or nine (laughs) or or it's literally just goliath the show's gargoyle Uh, singular Mm. and also uh, Gary Doberman like he he he, he's a successful horror writer he's Mm. only directed two movies one of those is a remake of Salem's Lot that has been sitting on the shelf at Warner Brothers for a little while um with no no sign of when it's going to be released and you know what maybe they're just saving it because they don't know how long the strike's gonna go um that's generally not the case um because I feel like it's been done for a minute Mm. um I, I really wish, I wish I had more confidence in this, but even if it, a Disney Plus series that is not a Star Wars or a Marvel, um, we've seen some so-so results yeah. in, in the effects department. Uh, most recently, the trailer for Percy Jackson. Um, like, I I thought that, I think that first book, I mean, it's literally Harry Potter with, with Greek mythology, mm-hmm. uh, but I thought that first book was really, really great and kicked off this really fun world. And the trailer just looks a little... Not up to not up to budgetary snuff, unfortunately. So it'll be interesting to see if this does actually happen. Um, as gargoyles is a Disney property, like I would have to assume that they know what the fan base kind of expects, uh, and also <laughs> no, they who well or who's gonna <laughs> who's gonna tune in, um, because gargoyles is very big for a very very particular sector of geekdom and it's folks that were around when that animated series came out um i'd be curious yeah. to see what when disney plus first came out because i i started watching gargoyles again what the numbers would be if if, if they have just had this huge surge mm. and they think that now justifies tackling this take
0: yeah my my concern real quick is that is is, is what something you touched on Shannon, Is doberman does horror and james wan does horror only Megan is something they've been involved in that had a kind of tongue-in-cheek aspect to right. its horror. So Gargoyles, are they going to go horror in the approach and not make them as beloved necessarily? I don't know. And that leads back to what Michael said just a few seconds ago when he questioned whether they know what the fan base wants. And so, yeah, I have a lot of questions putting these two guys together. They did the Swamp Thing, and there was a lot of drama behind that, behind yeah. the scenes of that one. So. I don't know necessarily that I have confidence that these are the right people to bring this to life. I
2: mean, like, look, Disney, I think there was a lot of skepticism when Disney did Mm -hmm. the live-action Rescue Rangers movie. Oh, yeah, right. And that was great. Yeah, sure. Like, that was funny, and it was very different and modern. But also, if you grew up loving Rescue Rangers, it hit the right beats. So there's ways to sort of update and adapt things. But, yeah, this just feels like a pretty tall order to me i, I don't know it makes me I, I just sit there and think about how great it is interesting like disney their animation stuff tends to all skew to the younger end which doesn't mm. which makes sense it's disney like it's right, a right, family right. whatever but, but you think about like the success that amazon has had with like vox machina and invincible mm. and not that gargoyles on disney needs to be violent to the level of those shows but doing a big marquee animated series for the older end of your fan base. When you are a platform that has all the Marvel and star Wars shows. So all the 40 year old dudes that love those are already on your, on your streamer. Um, It just seems like that's the better, more successful option, but we'll see.
0: We'll see. Well, speaking of live action real quick, I got to get you guys thoughts on, on Netflix live action, releasing uh, some uh, new photos uh, around their avatar, uh, Last Airbender, a show, live action version here. And I'm going to bring up these photos here Daniel Day Kim as Fire Lord Ozai, Paul Sun Hyung Lee as Uncle Iroh. He looks familiar, uh, Star Wars fans. Elizabeth Yu as Princess Azula, Dallas Liu as Prince Zuko, and Ken Leung, one of my personal favorites, as Admiral Zhao. So. Gentlemen, your thoughts as you look at these? Although that one looks a little AI, your thoughts when you look at these is this AI or are these actual set photos? No, those are actual set photos. Okay, I'm a little
2: concerned, is all I'm going to say. So, Uh, I mean, it's kind of to the point. Like, I mean, the the live action avatar is something that a lot of people have been really worried about, especially when the creators left the live action avatar to go back to Nickelodeon to Avatar Studios. Yeah. But I will say that all the pictures that have been coming out look legit. Like, I was talking to some people today and everyone who i know who's a hardcore avatar fan looking at these is like yeah those look correct like these look these look good we all have that ptsd from the m night Shyamalan one so we're all (laughs) nervous about it but based on just the visuals alone like this looks how you would want a live action avatar to look all right shannon am
0: i wrong here in my concern that it looks like they're gonna go and Blink, weirdly, I, I, am I wrong on this? Am I miss-
1: I mean, I'm not going to say you're wrong. I'm going to say I don't necessarily see it. Okay, um, fair enough. But um, but yeah, I mean, the the, the main one that I want to focus on yeah. is Uncle Iroh, Paul, okay. son, Young Lee. Um, you he looks incredible. Yeah. And again, having seen his work in the Star Wars, Disney Plus series, Kim's Convenience, like when they announced that he was playing Uncle Iroh, I was like, that is about as perfect an actor as you as you can get um and daniel day kim i mean daniel day kim is such a fantastic actor agreed who you know he you know he went from lost to hawaii 50 and ended up leaving that show um a little suddenly um he's one of those actors that you want to see get get his shot at something big and i really hope that this is it because him playing uh ozai is 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 pretty awesome
0: yeah, I mean, I love the the outfit. I love her outfit. Like, look at that; it's so distinct and different and strong and powerful. The hairstyle really works, and the overall look that she's got—so good to see that here. This look is fantastic as well. It's much more subdued in the armor and in the overall look of it, but it still radiates strength. So, uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of these pictures. It doesn't mean the show's necessarily going to be great, but I'm a big fan of the pictures
2: overall and you know i have I'm heard i have really heard a high. couple people internally at netflix are feeling really good about it oh okay that's good that's i good. mean that we're going to talk about the marvel news in a little bit about quantum mania <laughs> and i feeling good about it so that's never a guarantee but i've heard that people are feeling like <laughs> no. oh yeah we 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 i think we got this thing to work we're big big fans big fans um all right let's take a quick break and on the
0: other side we're gonna have some fun conversations here about disney and their 100th anniversary after this all right. This is Michael's favorite part of the show, Mr. Vogel. Well, please.
2: Listen, unless you've been living under a rock, you've Disney's made it pretty clear that it's their 100th anniversary this year. <laughs> uh, every time you open Disney Plus, it says Disney 100. Um, but this week they really kind of came out with two of their big things that uh, that they're kind of touting as like, you know, the looking back and looking forward. So Uh, they dropped the first song, uh, This Wish, from the Wish soundtrack performed by Ariana DeBose, uh, which you can now download on iTunes. So that song came out, and everybody's uh, been listening to it and chatting about it. And in addition to that, on Disney+, Plus, you can now see uh, Once Upon a Studio, uh, a brand-new Disney short that was directed by... dan abraham and trent cory okay uh, and features 543 disney animated characters getting together for a photo celebrating their 100th anniversary um so that was kind of a big thing dropped this week everyone's very very excited about it um you know and they've been talking a lot about the studio about how wish really represents like the future of disney and even though it's a very nostalgic kind of movie that kind of touches on a lot of ideas including wishing on a star which goes all the way back to pinocchio it really with the visual style and everything is like they're looking forward at what they're going to be whereas once upon a studio really looks back and celebrates every single thing that they've been and if you've ever loved a disney character or a Disney movie, most likely they showed up in this short. So, <laughs> gentlemen, obviously, I liked the short. Uh, that's not a surprise. But uh, what did you two think of the short, and how do you feel about Disney's a uh, hundred years of Disney?
1: I mean, the short itself. I-, I did not realize it was a short. So when I was pitching this to my wife that we would watch it during dinner, she's like, "How, how long is it?" I'm like, "I think an hour." So then she was like, "Ah, maybe, maybe you watch that one by yourself." Uh, But then when I looked it up, I'm like, "Oh, hey, nine minutes, nine minutes, you can do nine minutes." Um, I thought I thought it was really, really wonderful. Um, Definitely uh, lump in my throat for 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 a couple of moments, Um, and, and I loved how they they included they included everybody they you know disney has had some incredibly successful films over the years and they've had some ones that didn't do so great um i'm i think we may have seen uh, a character from strange world in there i think we Hmm. saw uh several uh, yeah
2: several characters
1: i know jim hawkins flew by on his uh, rocket board at one point um and, and i thought that was awesome that like hey everything everything that has gone into making this both both the wins and the losses that's what made us get to this point today. So I love that they didn't shy away from that and I like that uh, at one point we got to see uh Asha uh Ariana Debose's character hmm. from from Wish that she she popped out there as well. I, I thought it was just a a really beautiful short and you know Ariana Debose has an incredible voice. So yeah, the song the song is good. I don't know how the movie's going to be, but the song is good.
0: Okay, so I went in with Knives out to see this short because I was like, you know,
2: well, I, well, I was like, I was when you're yeah. on the text chain, you were like, let's, like, what are the knives that you have well, coming for this short? I'm not
0: feeling good about Bob Iger <laughs> right now with the strike going on and the bullshit that's going on here, and so I was like, this is their way of like trying to, you know, kind of smooth things with the fans or with the audience, and and then they're like, thanks to everybody who made this, and it's like, yeah, I want you pay them, motherfucker. So, uh, so I had a thing, but. As I'm watching it, the uh, icicles melted in my heart, and I really <laughs> did enjoy it. And it was beautiful to see that they found the right ways to weave in the old, the new, the not-so-old. I mean, having The Rock come in and do a couple of lines. If he did a couple of lines or they borrowed some scratch stuff that he did, I thought that was really cool. The way they got the approval of the Robin Williams estate to use some tracks that of stuff that he had said, the, they mixed that in really well. The Goofy stuff worked really well. It's very funny. I mean, Fix It Felix coming in, you know I'm a fan of that. Wreck-It Ralph being a part of this. But yeah, as Shannon pointed out, seeing all the different ways that the hits and the misses, except for, of course, Song of the South, showed up in all of this, I thought was really good. The Tres Caballeros having Homie on a fucking guitar, like that was so great. and. I was so surprised at the amount of people they got to come in. And of course, some of those voice actors have passed on because a long time ago and they got good voice actors who probably been voicing this for a while cover and do it, you know, like hearing Alan Tudyk clearly do the Mad Hatter voice, which I thought was great. But I will say my one complaint is no Stephanie Beatrice. We saw her, we saw a character, but I, the credit she's not listed. So her not getting to sing when Encanto was such a massive surprise I was a little perturbed by that overall, but, but that being said, this is my only complaint. Cause I thought this was really well done and I wanted to hate that Mickey Walt Disney moment as cheese ball cheese, but God damn it. It worked. It really worked. Cause it was underplayed. It wasn't overdone. It wasn't really highlighted. It was a soft thing between creator and created. And I thought that was really nice uh, overall. So yeah, I was very surprised because You know, you may not know this, but I was a Disney kid. I watched all those things. I grew up on those things. My heart has hardened since those times. But like that was great to kind of go back and revisit some of those characters. And I bet there's like a shit ton of scenes that they wrote that they didn't get a chance to animate. That would have been so much fun to see uh, to be a part of this. So, yeah, very smart idea. Very smart idea
2: yeah and uh, I mean a couple other fun facts uh, the old guy at the very beginning of oh, the short yeah. who is, is uh, Disney's longest serving employee Bernie Madison <sighs> who worked at the studio for 70 years and died at the age of 87 in February but he did get to see a screening of oh. the short before he passed um, another thing the directors actually came Dan Abraham and Trent Corey actually came up with this idea during the pandemic um, you oh. know they were talking about it and they realized they are like the 100th year anniversary like what is Disney going to do are they going to like just like do it? clip reel like is that like the typical disney like hey 100 years here's a bunch of animated shorts and they kind of low key came up with this idea and in one of the interviews said they were basically like meeting in their cars in a taco bell parking lot and talking like 6 feet apart as they kind of bounced it around and kind of like low key put a big pitch together and pitched it to Jennifer Lee and the animation team um which kind of makes it more authentic like this wasn't like a corporate like we should do this like this was like animators in the building wanting to work on it and they said that They had animators older animators younger animators all coming up and being like look even if i just work on this for a weekend and do a couple things like i'm so excited oh can i work on this character can i work on this character um you know like i said 543 characters in the short and as john said yeah the genie does talk uh to olaf in the thing and they talked about how to do it and they went back through got the okay from the robin williams estate and sifted through the hours and hours and hours of uh recordings that robin williams did that ended up on the cutting room floor because there was way too much to use in the movie and found the exact right joke that would work and put it in there another fun fact That is the second Robin Williams cameo in the Once Upon a Studio short, right before the Olaf genie scene. Um, A small lost boy flies past in front of Timon and Pumbaa, and that is actually the lost boy that Robin Williams played in the animation studio tour uh, film that Robin Williams and Walter Cronkite did when MGM Studios opened. So (laughs) lots of fun Easter eggs, and I do echo what Shannon said, which is I really appreciated the fact that this was a – all hands on deck, it wasn't just the, let's bring out the ones that did good and let's sweep Black Cauldron and Strange World and some of these others under the rug. Like every single person, if you have a, even even if you're a fan of an obscure Disney movie Everybody got their moment to shine. So it was great. I've watched it a few times. And hey, you heard it here first. It even melted John's cold, cold <laughs> heart. So definitely check it out and uh, yeah. check out the Wish song. Let us know what you thought about that and uh, celebrate Disney's 100th anniversary.
0: Yeah, I'm a little less sold on the Wish song. Uh, I feel like The Emperor and Amadeus are too many lyrics. There's cut kind a of few and it'll be great. So I, I, you know, I'm a little less sold on it, but maybe I'll have to listen to it because it's an unconventional. Disney song. I mean the theme it, is the same, right? Like let me speak my voice, don't keep me down, I, you know, let me free. Let me be free. I they should play that over images of the actors striking. They should absolutely play that. You know, give us what we wish. I would love to see somebody do an edit of that. But like over oh, cuz the lyrics totally fit. But I, I it was interesting. It's it's different rhythms. It's and definitely got so a different to
2: to I would them. say that the um the the verses have an interesting lyrical uh, cadence yeah, to yeah, them yeah. Yeah. but then the chorus is just a fucking banger chorus right.
0: no doubt so of it course.
2: does like like i listened to it a couple times and like you are like you you're used to like you hear a song you're like oh yeah you know da 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 and this was like Bah-ba-ba-ba. like it was all over the place but it was interesting i'm i i'm really curious to see it in context when the movie comes out in november
0: yeah and there's a one minute clip people can watch on youtube where they have some sequences from that uh sequence there uh, that's going to be in the movie for sure um all right well let's take a quick break and we'll get into our main topic and talk some Marvel stuff right after this
1: do 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 do
0: um all right well let's like get I'm into this Avengers thing campus oh okay. <laughs> um so uh it's time to talk a little Marvel a little Ant-Man the Last Quantumania um speaking on the Watch podcast, one of the writers of this new book that's come out MCU The Reign of Marvel Studios. By the way, my birthday's next week for anybody who's watching. Uh writer Joanna Robinson claimed that Marvel Studios thought that Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania would be a major success and they were legitimately shocked by the movie's bad reviews. According to her, Marvel thought, quote, everyone's going to love this. Uh, And that the negative response, Robinson said, really hurt the studio. And they were like, oh, no, our internal barometer is not attuned to what people want anymore. Here's the full quote. Marvel Studios is aware of what's happening to their brand. My understanding, having talked to some people, and this is a very well-researched book, by the way, is that Quantum Mania really shook them. And I'm sure Secret Invasion shook them further but quantum quantum mania really shook them because they felt like they had something good because they all internally thought everyone's going to love this. And then they put it out and people didn't. And they were like, Oh no, our internal barometer is not attuned to what people want anymore with quantum mania. They were like, we put out a banger. And then that's not how a lot of people felt. So Michael, I go to you first on this really shocking to hear that there. I mean, I liked the movie. I still like the movie. I watched it the other day again. and was like, I guess I just like it. What else can I say? but they clearly the public did not a lot of the critics didn't and in the end is this a surprise for you to hear this and what is your reaction when you hear these quotes about a man the wasp I
2: I think the most interesting thing about this quote is what you can read between the lines of this quote Mm. which is they were floored that this didn't do well which means they weren't floored (laughs) about multiverse of madness or Thor love and thunder (laughs) fair like, there's definitely a. They were aware of what was happening to their brand. Like, they're like, you know, like we talk about this all the time. Like, you assume that the studios and the studio heads and the teams all like the movies come out and they're like, yep, yeah, we did our best. This, we, we think this is great. And then we're like, no, that's not great. But a lot of times, like, you can kind of lose your way in production. You can go, yeah. oh, this movie didn't turn out quite as strong as we wanted. We had issues. We were talking last week about the issues that seem to be happening behind the scenes on Secret Invasion. So I don't yeah. know that yeah. Secret Invasion. Uh, completely blindsided them because it sounds like they kind of knew through production, like, oh, this is this is kind of a mess. Um, but it is interesting because it does show that, like, they were aware that things were not going great. They knew they had a couple of films that while some people loved them i'm not saying they were you know wholeheartedly like not everybody hate like there's a lot of people that really liked multiverse of madness and thought it was a lot of fun there's a lot of people that really enjoyed thor love and thunder but in general the audiences were much more divided than uh marvel was used to but it sounds like they kind of were aware of that with those yeah and they really thought quantum mania phase five we made it through phase four let's start with a bang we're going big and they thought they had it like they thought like this is this is what marvel's back baby marvel's back and for a studio that like kind of banked on that for a long time i mean part of what made them so great through phases one two and three is that like Even if a movie didn't hit exactly, even if a movie was like, okay, that wasn't a win, like the direction they were going and the story they were building, like we were with them and they were with us. Like we, there was a trust of like, these guys know what they're doing on this road to Infinity War and Endgame. And the fact that they got there and pulled it off, we were like, they know what we're doing. And so then phase four was this sort of like awkward Guys, like, you know, we we loved you, but like, what are you doing? And it sounds like they kind of knew that. They were like, yeah, guys, we fucked up a little bit. Like, we got to get him back. And then they yeah. thought this was going to be the love letter that got everyone back on board. And that's got to really fuck with your head. You got to yeah. really question your own internal creative barometer when you think you've got to win like that. And critics and audiences are like, no, you don't. Yeah. No, you don't.
0: Shanna, your thoughts on these quotes and, uh, and can I add something to you real quick for you to respond to as well? Chris Hemsworth apparently was interviewed for this and said that he felt that the reason it, that Quantumania didn't do well is because it wasn't a smaller, more personal story. He said, quote, the moment it's like your world is in danger the entire universe. It's like, yeah, so it was the last 24 films. It has to become a bit more personal and grounded. And he felt Kang was the wrong place to introduce time. It was really shocking to hear a Marvel actor say something negative about another Marvel movie
1: i mean it's interesting because when we came out of quantum mania on you know the night that we saw it uh, most of us really enjoyed it yeah. um and and even though while enjoying it you could you could pick out some things like ah i didn't love this ah, i didn't love that um the fact that the audience just didn't really you know the second weekend they just didn't show up i mean sure. because ultimately for the this enormous franchise to keep going it you can't just reach out to comic fans like you have to reach the audience overall so i don't know maybe chris hemsworth had a point i mean i i the things that really bugged me about it was the look of modok That that really, really bothered me. And then looking at what made the first two Ant-Man movies really, really work. Mm. And it was the dynamic that Paul Rudd had with Michael Douglas, had with Evangeline Lilly and had with Michael Pena. I mean, I think you took you took one of the key players that really made that franchise stand out and you got you got rid of them. And I was like, man, I wonder why they just I wonder why they didn't have Michael Pena go into the quantum mania as well. Like, I don't know. And the, I think the over-reliance on Cassie maybe, I mean, I don't know. I mean, eh, Cassie didn't really, her relationship with Scott didn't really work Mm. in this. And I can't really point and say what it was, whether it was the casting, Catherine Lang, if she and Paul Rudges didn't have any chemistry. Um, But I mean, I do agree that, jonathan Made, i think they probably really hung a lot on jonathan major's performance mm-hmm. and coming out of that that was universally praised like man this is a this is a very dynamic actor you know we're excited to see where this is going even though this movie didn't quite deliver the way that they had internally hoped but You know, no one ever sets out to make a bad movie like everyone wants to make the best movie that they can. And sometimes, as Vogel said, things in production can kind of go sideways. A movie can get lost in the editing. Um, I don't know what it was with this. I'd be really curious to hear with Peyton Reed if he was really excited to tell this story, because it doesn't seem like Kang was probably his idea.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think. Look, I think it's really easy to armchair quarterback a movie after it comes out. It's really easy to look at something when it's done and be like, "Yeah, it's what you should have done." And you're like, "Yeah, asshole. Like, thanks a lot. I, I, I can see that too now." Tell, tell me that three years ago when I was sitting in a fucking boardroom trying to figure this out. But I do wait, wait, think wait, wait. Am that, I, am I the asshole here? Nope. <laughs> not, yeah. not, not, not today. <laughs>
0: cue everyone clapping for george lucas's phantom menace script anyway but
2: i do but i do think that um they i agree that the cassie uh scott dynamic like i i will say this like i mean i do i do agree with shannon when we all came out the general consensus was like yeah i I think the general consensus was like well it was better than the last few um (laughs) and i have watched it on disney plus since uh since then and like it is a I think it gets a bad rap. I don't think it's as bad as sort of it's um, the reaction that everybody had. I think what kind of happened was, I think that in the same way that Marvel thought they had a banger, I think we wanted it to be a banger. Yeah. I think after phase four being Rocky, we wanted to go oh, in maybe. and yeah. we wanted that, like, give me, give me, give me Endgame, give me winter soldier, give me civil war. And we wanted that. And although I think Ant-Man, Quantumania is, like I said, better than Multiverse of Madness and Thor Love and Thunder, it's not that. Mm. It's just not there. And I think a big thing, to Shannon's point, is the Ant-Man movies, as much as the Captain America movies are built around Cap and Bucky, like, that is the... As as big as Civil War gets, it's ultimately Cap being like, I'm not going to give up on my best friend. Yeah. And... The Ant- Ant-Man 1 and the Ant-Man 2 are so clearly the Scott and Cassie relationship, yeah. and that's where Quantum Mania starts, and as soon as they get in the Quantum Realm, it all kind of gets out the window. Like, yes, Kang threatens Cassie. Yes, Scott is like, I'm going to go do this thing for you because I would do anything for Cassie, but the cassie i want to be a hero and scott being like i don't want you to be a hero and all the back and forth while everything else is going on like it just got lost in the shuffle yeah and i think that they failed where civil war succeeded like civil war had just as much going on as quantum mania did it was avengers two and a half um but that cap and bucky thing still you get to the end of that movie you get past the whole superhero battle at the airport and it turns into, oh, Bucky killed my best friend's parents. And what? my best friend is like, why I'm going to kill Bucky. And I'm like, and I'm caught in the middle of it. Like they managed to do this whole big thing and bring it back. As Chris Hemsworth said to this very personal thing. Yeah. Like when, 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 when Tony Stark looks at Steve Rogers and he's like, he killed my mom, man. Like that's just, that's as personal as it gets. Yeah. And quantum mania, you kind of got lost in the shuffle, I think.
0: Yeah, no, I think you make you both make excellent points about the film. I mean, and but I, I, you know, for me, the quote is more about what is going on internally at Marvel because certainly we just covered last week the Marvel TV situation and the changes they're making here. And Jeff Loveness, who's the writer of Quantum he has been destroyed, man, pilloried uh, post to post, and been removed as a writer for Kang Dynasty. So, like, uh, this is where it becomes. Ramifications and consequences of not quite getting there because the film I think only made like 400 something or 600 something million. It wasn't that much, and so it really didn't do well. It's not rated, it's like 6.5. It's got a B minus or B cinema score, which is not great. And so it took a lot of hits. And I think Multiverse of Madness shouldn't take should have taken these hits, not Quantum made. I think Quantum made is perfectly fine. I think the mistake here is that I agree with Hemsworth, they went too broad. It's a small ant man, it's always fun because it's a small personal literally. Story. literally and literally
2: yeah, literally, yeah it literally. doesn't get smaller than the quantum <laughs> realm <laughs>
0: that's right and um and the rumors or the loveness addressed the fact that uh, he had written a subplot with and lily's character having a child and so they were going to throw that in the mix as well so even more to what michael was saying even more stuff to be navigating in this world i think it just should have been much more of a contained story less about introducing kang and all this kind of stuff i think it would have worked much better as a smaller film which is what these films have been so great at so i understand the anger but for me the 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 thing is that are the people who thought this was great still in charge of the movies that are coming other than feige obviously but are they the ones because we saw we've seen a lot of turnover victoria alonso quite a number of people have left marvel now um, in this, in light of the recent uh downturn in their fortunes, so are those same people there still pumping out these movies? Are they getting gun shy? Is this gonna cause overthinking in these situations? I don't know.
2: There, there's no way that people at Marvel aren't overthinking right now, I okay? Mean, yeah. Per, per like last week's discussion as well. But, like, look, yeah. Daredevil's on hold. Will they fix that? Right? They don't yeah. know what the fuck they're doing with Blade, but yeah. Fantastic, another Four, rewrite. No- yeah. They know they have to get Fantastic Four right, and we're still waiting to hear what the fuck is going on with that movie. Like, like they yeah. are like, they they are. I think Fantastic Four is probably where they're doing the most overthinking. Yeah. Um. And I've X-Men. heard from. Yeah. No. X, I think X Men. They're like like X Men is like the bullet. Okay. In the gun that you're carrying, like this is like I got this gun and I've got one bullet in it in the chamber, but I'm because like X Men is their get out of jail free card. Gotcha. They yeah. could fuck up the entire Marvel universe. Right they could destroy everything we could all think that the kang dynasty and avenger secret wars are the two biggest disappointments in box office wow. history and if they come out a year later and give us the x-men we're all going to fucking see that movie like x-men is x-men it's the same in the comics x-men has always been marvel's like hey no one's buying comics uh jean gray's back You know, X Men are on Krakoa. Like, they like X Men. X Men have saved Marvel more than one time. They will save them again in the movies. But I do think um, what I've heard is from some people Mm. I've heard that Marvel's is fine. I've heard Marvel's is fine.
0: Oh, Marvel's. Yes. Which is. I've heard the
2: Marvel's is fine.
0: We are three Um, weeks away from that movie coming out, and
2: no one is talking. So I think, so to that point, and like I was saying about this article, kind of like, I I don't think that Marvel, based on my gut, I don't think that Marvel is going to be blindsided if the Marvels doesn't perform. Well, fair enough. I think that, I think that, I think that Marvel is banking a lot on uh, Cap 4 and Thunderbolts. Mm Mm-hmm. I've heard that Thunderbolts, everyone's really excited about Florence Pugh and, and Julie Louise Dreyfus, That they are like the standouts of that movie. And I and Cap Four is supposed to be the one that gets us all back on the train. Wow.
0: Yeah. It's gotta be interesting. Shannon, what what are your thoughts on this? I mean, with the Marvels,
1: you know, when Cap when the first Captain Marvel movie came out, that was in between infinity war and game. like people right. i mean that was as high as the as the marvel wave has gotten so it's not a shock that people rushed out to see that movie i mean i do think the marvels is, is definitely going to suffer from the three leads not being able to go out and promote it
0: true, true. um
1: that true. this is the type of film that they would be trotting those three ladies out to be like you all love each other you had such a great time making this movie let's get me at the Costa let's get all four of you up there let's talk about how great it is um and and i do think that it probably would be effective yeah. um you know getting to hear from the oscar winner and the two new stars and one mm-hmm. of them being you know the very young you know amon Vellani. Yeah. um yeah it, as to what you were saying johnny about yeah. like is it the same people still you know, kind of churning out the, the same product. I mean, at the end of the day, Kevin Feige is, he's the guy.
0: Yeah. All (laughs) roads lead to him. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I think when they were kind of envisioning what the multiverse saga was going to look like, I mean, I think you're, you're, you're picturing nailing everything that Mm -hmm. the audience loves everything. And that's, this is going to lead to this. This is going to lead to this this is going to lead to this. This is, this is all going to make sense. Yeah. And when not everything, quite gets there it you then you, you know you have this you have this house of cards that you've built and then you take a couple away and suddenly it's like oh well you know i mean and, and i think Daredevil could be a, a could be a big uh, big factor in that is yeah. that this is when daredevil was going to come out we assumed that daredevil was going to be in the you know the next two avengers movies oh suddenly the daredevil that we thought we're have we're not going to have now Um, You know, there have been rumors that like Wonder Man might be getting canceled. Yeah. Um, And I think it's less to do with it's getting canceled and that it's getting delayed that Mm. they are looking at, okay, Wonder Man was going to play this part. But now if we're having to change this, then now we have to change this. Suddenly Wonder Man like, all right, let's take Wonder Man off the table. Yeah. Like let's let's put him over here for a second. Um, it's going to be interesting. I mean, you know, we we always hear when things start to, and this is not just a Marvel thing, but we always hear when things don't go according to plan, we suddenly hear like, oh, you know what? It's this movie that gets us back on track. Mm, right. <laughs> like right now we're hearing, it's going to be Cap, Cap 4. Cap 4 yeah, is going to do it. Totally. Thunderbolts is, is supposed yeah. to be great. Yeah. You know, flash forward to, you know, next year to 2025 when we finally get those two movies, like.
2: Fantastic ah, 4 yeah, is going to get, it's, it's going to be, be Fantastic, Fantastic four. 4. Fantastic, Fantastic 4 is going to get us back on track.
1: You guys, we just got to get to Kane dynasty if you just get to kang <laughs> dynasty everything that's come before it is going to make sense as audiences yeah. we absolutely every one of those theories to be true yeah. because nothing is going to make the movie going audience happier than having the experience that we did
2: in the first three phases of Marvel. True. i I ahead, do yeah. think – and I mean, I know we've said this before, and I know we need to wrap up, but like no, – No, i got to throw
0: one more quote out here so you can get your thoughts on this. So oh, no, no. Go well, ahead. On. Go ahead.
2: What's, what's no, the no. Quote? Finish
0: your point. Finish your point, point. I'm going to throw this quote out.
2: I, I was just going to say overall, and I know we've talked about this before, but I yeah. do think part of the issue is it just – it feels like the Marvel Cinematic Universe right now is talking around the stuff that we care about. Like mm. it's yeah, because yeah, yeah. Cap is gone and Tony's gone and right. Spidey is now nobody knows who Spidey is and you know Doctor Strange is running around with Charlie's throne like everyone has kind of been like put off the table right and they're like hey here's all these awesome new characters but like Shang Chi hasn't met She Hulk or Miss mm. right. Marvel or whatever it's like you want to sort like there's no like we had that great post credit scene in Shang Chi where you had Carol and Bruce. And shang and Wong, and they're all, like, talking about, like, the – but, like, beyond that, we've never gotten, yeah. like, okay, where's the – like, whoever the crew is, like, yeah, who are yeah, the heroes yeah. that right. are getting together because we're, t- we're we're telling so many individual stories. And so I just think in addition to everything else, it just feels a little disparate.
0: Yeah, and it's a, I feel like that's real life, right? I mean, uh, creeping in, which is Bozeman's untimely passing. right. Um, and, uh, Spider-Man, the the up in the air thing about whether he's signing off for three more or not with Amy Pascal and Sony and all of that. And, you know, the reception to Brie Larson as Ms. As Captain Marvel, it wasn't positive, even though the film made a billion dollars. So there's a lot of, all of that that was, uh, up in the air. And, you know, you mentioned King dynasty, Shannon. Um, and by the way, the book is called MCU the Reign of Marvel Studios. It is written by Joanna Robinson, Dave Gonzalez, and Gavin Edwards. It is available out now. Uh, and you can get on Amazon for like $29. But one of the quotes here is, or one of the things Joanna said in this appearance on The Watch as well, which I, I'm going to go listen to this episode. She said, we have a quote from Kevin Feige sort of implying that like Secret Wars will serve as a soft reboot in which they can prune everything. And she said, that's not to use a Lokiism." They'll prune everything that's not working and just keep what is working or bring back people you thought were gone forever because the end of the book reads as such. Feige had to learn, <laughs> the Titanic sinks, no, no. Feige had to learn different lessons from the comics, how superheroes periodically needed to be rebooted, how to stop variants and spinoffs from spiraling out of control, how an annual mega crossover event could unify a disparate, as Michael just said, line of characters and can we get some toast who's a trusted scooper in my space uh said the send or sorry sorry, the send off to not only the current mcu is what secret oils will serve as but also all the marvel movies that came before iron man it'll be the capital u ultimate soft reboot so really interesting stuff when you hear this so gentlemen what are your thoughts when you hear these quotes and hear this possibility that we're just Essentially, biding our time till we get to Secret Wars. Then we're going to soft reboot,
2: and then we'll go from there. Uh, it's kind of crazy. I'll say in a more positive way than that. Okay. I mean, <laughs> sure. If you if you've read Secret Wars, the comic book, yeah, that quote makes perfect sense. Like um, right. everybody shows
0: up on that thing, yeah.
2: If well, not just that, but like when you destroy the entire multiverse right 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 and then the heroes have to band together to put it back together they get to put it back together however they want it's true like that's that secret wars the comic book series served to do in the comic books exactly what they're talking about here i don't think it's a bide your time thing i don't think that they're like guys let's just tell a bunch of fucking movies until we can reboot things <laughs> like the goal is that we should all be thrilled the goal right. is that we're so invested in this story and that there's all of these universes and there's different variants running around and it's getting more complicated and we care about all of them and what are we going to do right. and then that all leads to secret wars the problem is that we're just not caring that much yeah true shannon your thoughts on these two quotes here Uh, yeah.
1: I mean, uh, it would be, it's a really big investment (laughs) just Mm -hmm. to be like, all right, let's get everything off the board. Like they, they, they want to make, they want to make good movies. Like they want the audience to get excited about this Mm -hmm. and they know the, you know, the bullets they kind of have in the chamber, the, the X bullet, um, that they Mm want to get through phase six before they bring that one out. Um, do I think that suddenly Iron Man and Captain America and like Chris Evans are, they're going to be coming back. Like, I wouldn't. That wouldn't yeah. be. That wouldn't be my thing. I think you still have. You still have so many characters that you can use before you have to go back to the well and be like, "All right, now this is this is the new universe's Tony Stark. This is the new yeah. universe's Steve Rogers." I, I hope that's not what they do. Um, they will eventually, because all all of these things have to come to an end at some point. Um, yeah. But yeah, I I I do think like based off of the reception of phases four and now five at this point, I do think they are uh, they are craving a win right yeah. now. And if that win is ultimately get done with secret wars, <laughs> let's get's bring the mutants out. Okay. But I kind of don't think that's it.
0: I feel like it's a sports analogy, and I'll you know, I'll end my part on this. I feel like a sports analogy. Feige is the coach, he had a successful run for a while, won some Super Bowls, great. Now he's brought in some new players. The older players aged out. Didn't quite accomplish as much. He's struggling a little bit. Still winning every once in a while. Maybe he's got one more run left in him. And once Secret Wars and they reboot everything, I imagine Feige's going to leave. And be like, okay, I've done it. I've shepherded as far as it can go. Let someone else deal with it. I want a new challenge. Go to a new team. Start all over again. And we'll see if some of those old players come back for one last game or whatever and how they go about it. Uh, going forward but i think that's what we're going to see eventually that's when feige is going to leave and maybe go over to star wars or someplace else god knows um so it'll be interesting but yeah i I know i said it a little bit sarcastically or cynically michael but i I agree with you i i want to be more positive because i want to enjoy these films and i want to enjoy where we're going and secret wars is one of my favorite favorite uh, stories so i really want them to get that right uh, overall we'll see we'll see Um, All right, well, there you go. That's our uh, Geek Buddies episode. Thank you all so much for joining us. We appreciate it madly. uh, Shannon, what do we have to tell them?
1: Yeah, I'd like to follow us on social media. On Twitter, it's at Geek Underscore Buddies. On Instagram, at The Underscore Geek Underscore Buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon Underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you'd like to see Mm -hmm. things a little more positive, follow at MK2 and Mike (laughs) Vogel. If you would like to see things that are just, they're just being realistic. (laughs) At The Roca Says, follow (laughs) Johnny (laughs) Roca. Mikey.
2: Listen. If you like the geek equivalent of uh, Stallone, Schwarzenegger, and Willis. Right here, baby. It's right here. Uh, And here's what you can do so that we can keep coming to you every week. You can smash that like button below. Subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page. Check out all the amazing content he's got going on there. Leave your comments below. What do you think of everything going on at Marvel? What do you think of Once Upon a Studio? What do you think of Gargoyles? What do you think of the trailers? Let us know everything below. If you are listening to us on a podcast, go ahead and leave us some stars and some comments so we go up in the rankings and more people can find us. And as always, the best thing that you can do is retweet this video, post it on your socials, send it to your friends and tell them to hang out with your buddies the geek buddies
0: i just had a thought that once upon a studio that secret wars could be once upon a studio for the marvel universe where everybody just comes basically basically (laughs) Basically. yeah we'll see Uh, all right guys take care of yourselves be well Uh, thanks so much for watching we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode of the
2: geek buddies